mum for others. So I'm Niall, 26, and I'm from down near Portsmouth. So I suppose I should probably start at the start of uh, where the story of my faith begins, really, and my journey to seminary and God willing to the priesthood. So I was brought up in a Catholic family, uh, mum and dad, two younger brothers and myself. Went to Mass on Sundays, went to Catholic primary schools and secondary school. We received sacraments, First Holy Communion, uh, Reconciliation and Confirmation. And I think from memory, the first time I met someone who wasn't Catholic, because um, my whole extended family were Catholic and thought everyone believed in God. And the first time I met someone who didn't believe in God uh, it was when I went to secondary school. And I thought, Oh, that's bonkers. Everyone does. <laughs> You're like the only person. Uh, and then more and more I realised that there were plenty of people who didn't believe in God. Um, I suppose that brought a lot of questions up in my mind. And I suppose I dismissed a lot of them rather than trying to find answers. And so about a year after being confirmed, I actually stopped going to Mass. I went at Christmas and Easter and that was about it. And even then I was looking at my watch wondering how long it was left and kind of when could I go out and see my mates again. And this time away from the church went on for four years. And say so it's really triggered by having questions. But rather than looking for the answers I went in the opposite direction. And felt I had other priorities like football uh, to, to fill my weekends with. And so throughout college with the distractions of parties, girls and the occasional bit of college work. I just drifted further and further away from my faith until my mum went on pilgrimage to Medjugorje and this was just as I was coming to the end of my time at college where I was studying sport not really knowing what I wanted to do with my life and she came back just ranting and raving about how amazing it was and how she'd really come back to, to the Lord although she had always been practicing it really was a kind of a Sunday and that was it and how on fire she was for her faith and I thought, wow, she's lost it, she's gone mad. <laughs> so she managed to convince my dad to go out of her uh, shortly after, and he came back and gave it the thumbs up. And I knew then that we're kind of in for it now. Uh, we're all going to be dragged out there. And my middle brother also wasn't practicing his faith, he's in the same boat as me, really, um, which may have been my fault, having been the older brother who was allowed not to go to Mass now, so I'm not going to go either. So. We went out as a family, we joined a local group that were going and I remember getting on the coach and, and I'm starting the rosary and me thinking, right, nope, this really isn't me. So I put my headphones on and my hood up and that was it. I was asleep until we got to the airport. But we arrived in Medjugorje and it is in the middle of September, so it's still sunny. We're in the mountains, it's absolutely stunning. And so I thought, well, I'll make the most of it for all it is. It's a, it's a week off work, uh, get a bit of peace and quiet, we'll see what happens. But after a few days of going round with this group and going to different prayer events and talks, I really kind of got a bit fed up. I just wanted to do my own thing. So on the third day, it's always the third day, um, I decided to have a lie-in. I didn't get up and have breakfast with the group. I had a lie-in and went and sorted myself out for breakfast. And I was wandering around the shrine and I started to really pray for the, probably the first time in my life properly I attempted to pray before but it always, it always seemed to be just giving the Lord a list of my demands wants and needs but this was different, I was actually having a conversation with the Lord 
And when I realised what was happening, I was shocked. I thought, oh, what's going on here? Hang on. And so I left where I was and started wandering around a bit further. And then I realised I was in a group of people. There were people in front of me and behind me. And I was looking around wondering what everyone was doing there. And I realised I found myself in the queue for confession. I hadn't been to confession in about five years since when I was preparing to be confirmed. And out of sheer pride, I carried on with confession. I was like, well, I can't let anyone else see me ducking out of the queue for confession. So I went through with it. And just a really amazing, powerful experience of just making a genuine confession and allowing the Lord to take everything that had kind of built up over the years and just came out so renewed. I thought, my goodness, why haven't I been doing this more frequently? And then I thought, well, I'm on a roll now. I'm buzzing. So I thought, let's go to Mass. <laughs> let's do the whole, whole, whole lot. So I went to go into the church and it was absolutely packed out. There was no room to sit down. So I decided to take myself outside there. The doors open alongside the speakers so you could hear what was happening and see glimpses of what was happening inside. And as it got to the consecration, when the priest takes the bread and the wine and pronounces the words of consecration, as he said, this is my body, I realised that actually the whole time I'd been told it's the body of Christ, I realised it actually was. It's Jesus. It's, it's God. It's, it's everything that I was told it was. And it's not even in it, it's in He. And so the priest came to give communion um, and we all gathered along the side of the church in a line. And as the priest was walking along the line, I could feel my legs shaking. I was like, wow, I'm actually about to receive communion for the first time realising who I'm receiving. And with that newfound knowledge, that amazing grace, I was like, well, I have to go back to Mass. I have to start going back to Mass. And just had this whole new outlook of the Mass and knowing that the Lord was giving himself entirely to me. And so I was back at Mass every Sunday. And then to my mum's surprise, even at Mass during the week occasionally as well, when I had time before work. Um, and just had this whole new life opening within me. I was very fortunate that in my home parish we have regular adoration um, about five days a week. But, well, I tried to work out the hours the other day and it's around, it's over 20 hours a week anyway that Christ is just present and the church is open, which is amazing. And so about a year after returning to the practice of my faith and opening this new relationship with, with our Lord, I was on my way back from work and I popped into the church to say hello to Jesus, as you do. And I sat there thinking, well, I was working in a shop at the time and it wasn't something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I wanted to, I felt there was something more, there was something else that I needed to be doing. So I thought, well, maybe I could do something in the church. Maybe like something like youth ministry. I certainly wasn't thinking of priesthood or anything like that at the time. And I suppose um, you kind of get the angel and demon on your shoulders in the cartoons, you see it. And then I kind of had a moment like that. And I suppose Satan was kind of whispering, oh, look at all these mistakes you've made. And then kind of jokingly saying, well, the only way you're going to fix that is if you're locked away in a monastery or become a priest. And I suppose my guardian angel chips in and said, well, that's not a bad idea, is it? And then I came back to reality and thought, no, that's a ridiculous idea. And kind of left the, left the building of the church, not the church. I still practicing my faith. But just kind of thought, well, no, I'm pushing that idea to one side. That's a ridiculous idea. You've got the wrong guy here. So my idea of priesthood at the time was that some bloke who just sits in church all day and prays and then kind of says mass. I still hadn't really 
dug deep enough to see beyond the mass. My prayer life was there, but my idea of priesthood was just someone who locked themselves away, and I knew that wasn't what I was called to. So I kept getting to these forks in the road in my life where this idea of priesthood kept popping up or something else. And each time I got to these crossroads it became easier and easier to choose the something else. Uh, and every time I pushed away this, this, this idea of priesthood it became easier and easier to push it away. And that went on for about two years. Um, and then I ended up going to World Youth Day in Madrid. So my brother had been signed up for it and for one reason or another I had been signed up for it without my knowledge. I just got told, oh yeah, there's a meeting this weekend for it. I was like, oh, for what? <laughs> So I ended up going to the meeting up in Basingstoke and I uh, thought, well, this isn't too bad, we'll see what happens. And then ended up going out to Madrid with a group from Portsmouth Diocese, about 130 of us. It was amazing, just to be with people my own age or similar age with a relationship with Christ. Um, but we got out to Madrid and there were about two and a half million people there. And there were people just, it's, the only way I can describe it is, is like a, like what heaven will be like, or just a slight glimpse, just to have a city full of people, so on fire for their faith and so filled with the joy of Christ, and with the good weather and Arsenal winning that weekend, it all made for a great mix. Um, but during my time now, I got to know some priests and some other lads who are trained to be priests. One of them is now a priest, actually, one of the lads, and. I'm just starting to realise that they're ordinary people called to do extraordinary things. And I started to realise that my excuses were running out. And there were a number of people who kept saying, Oh, no, why don't you become a priest? And I was like, yeah, no, that's a funny joke. Bye. And just kept saying, yeah, just laughing it off. Um, and then I started to have a conversation at the vocation stand. There's a vocation stand in Retiro Park. And I started having a conversation with two seminarians about football uh, as well as God. Um, and how things were going that week at World Youth Day. And just out of nowhere, one of them said, So now, when are you signing up? And at that moment, I looked at my watch and thought, Oh, I have to go, bye. And it was because of this feeling in my heart, I, I couldn't explain it at the time. But looking back, the only way I could describe it, it's like I had a crush on a girl. But instead of it being a girl, it was God. And that made no sense to me whatsoever. I thought, this is the strangest thing. This will all go away. I'm just on a height, just because I'm in this bubble at the moment. When I get back to work, I was working for a bank at the time, so I had a good job, I had a good car, and I thought, right, I'm on my way. And this is just getting in the way. I need to get this away. And so when I returned home, I thought, right, it's going to go away soon. But after a few days, it just kept growing and growing. And I knew I needed to speak to someone about it. So I emailed a priest who travelled with us to Madrid and said, Hi Father, something's gone horribly wrong in my life. I think I want to be a priest. Please help me. And he returned the reply and said, Look, come and have a chat with me. We'll, we'll see what's going on. And so I went up and had a chat with him. And I must have been there for two, three hours just talking, talking about all sorts. But obviously centred around this, this sense of a call into priesthood. Um, which I was hoping he was going to say, yeah, you know, you've been ridiculous, don't worry about it, it'll go away in a week. But he didn't. He said, look, no, I think you need to take this seriously. So the Lord never leads you down a dead end. So whatever he's leading you to at the moment, it may be priesthood, it may not be, but take it seriously and see where it goes. 
And with that advice, I thought, well, I'm not going to do this part-time, this discernment. And so I started to look around to see what I could do. And an opportunity to be a chaplain's assistant in the local Catholic secondary school came up. So I thought, well, that would be great, to work with other people and work with my faith. And as I worked in the school, I went part-time at the bank. To everyone's surprise, this guy wants to become a priest, what's happening here? And the more and more I worked at the school, the more and more I realised that my work at the bank uh, wasn't making me happy, probably wasn't making other people happy, um, and the more and more I was falling in love with Christ, I realised I had to leave the bank. My last day of work at the bank was actually Maundy Thursday, um, so that was pretty amazing. And then going into the Tridium, knowing that that was all behind me now, and just discerning it, I realised actually, yeah, the Lord's calling me to to take this further. And after two years working at the school, I made my application to Bishop Philip, and he accepted me for formation, and sent me to Faladilid, to the Royal English College. And I spent a year there, and I'm now finished, I'm about to start my third year formation at Wanish, but it'll be my fourth year in seminary overall, so, yeah. That's 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 where I am at the moment, praise God.